Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. If you're interested in supporting the show, uh, check out www.socialjello.com and just click on the Amazon banner. Not sponsored by Amazon, uh, as a disclaimer, but uh, it does help out with the show and helps me produce more of these sh episodes just for you. Today, I interview Jesse Nicasio. 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 Pretty sure it's Nicasio. Maybe I messed that up. It was a great, really great podcast. Um, he talks about his experiences and uh, athletic performance and martial arts. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. So I'm here with uh, Jesse Nicasio from Juke Performance. Did, did I get that right, Jesse? You got that right, Angelo. All right. So at least we're off to a pretty good start. <laughs> so, man, um, just to let some of my listeners know, uh, Jesse reached out to me, and uh, as you know, uh, he's all, I like to interview martial artists. This is a little different from the other series I've been working on, the Kaju Kembo series, but it's still martial arts related. So if you are a Kaju Kembo practitioner listening to this, uh, quick disclaimer, I don't think Jesse's from Kaju Kembo. I didn't ask him. You, you don't do Kaju Kembo, right? No, I do not. Okay, let's, let's just clear. I don't know if I can even pronounce that. <laughs> We'll just we'll, we'll clear that up real quick. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my a lot of my uh, listeners come from the same background as me, uh, Kaju Kembo or Hawaiian Kempo. Uh, okay. I, I'm sure you've heard of Chuck Liddell, and uh, and you know the camp he came from, the Pit. Yes. Um, that's a Kaju Kembo uh, affiliated. Okay. Uh, oh, that is. Uh, yeah, okay. it's a Kaju Kembo affiliated gym. So, uh, so a lot of my listeners kind of come from that background because that's my background. But, nice. um, but yeah, man, uh, thanks for being on the show, brother. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I guess just to kind of open it up, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've uh, been born and raised in California, uh, lived out here pretty much my entire life, except for going to college and up there in Washington. But my entire life down here in California has always been around sports. I uh, played football as a kid, actually played football in high school, college, and I actually played football in the NFL for the Rams and the Colts, and started martial arts when I was a little kid, and sports and athletics has always been my life. I've always surrounded myself through with professional coaches, trainers. I've always just loved being around different type of athletes, learning all type of athletics, especially now having the type of company that I have right now. I get to learn a lot, a lot more about different type of sports like say swimming and bicycling which I had no clue about until I created these type companies but um, it's uh, yeah I mean everything surrounded by me right now is pretty much sports and building up uh, companies and just training myself too always always staying in the gym every day doing any type of training that's kind of thrown at me cool and you said uh, you started doing martial arts as a kid um, what I guess, how old were you when you started training? I think uh, I started around, I think it was like age eight. And, of course, got right into karate. karate. So out here, yeah, just did karate for 
many years and then until I pretty much hit middle school. And my entire life then centered around uh, other type of sports. Then after college, after I came, or actually after the pros, I came back and got right back into MMA and been doing MMA out here underneath Boz Rutten. Uh, he's my mentor in uh, MMA. And so got to train with Boz. Boz is a good friend of mine. And Dwayne Ludwig would always come out here. I had to go against Dwayne Ludwig, which was not fun whatsoever. That was like, that was like hitting a damn wall. You know? I'm like, oh, this is it's a huge difference between MMA fighters and the top elite UFC type fighters. When you punch them, you feel the difference in your fist. Yeah, I, I always tell people there's levels to this shit, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like high school football and college football. Like People are like, oh, the best college football team can definitely beat the uh, worst NFL team. No, nah, man, not whatsoever. That NFL team, it will destroy that best football uh, college team any day. Yeah, it's, it's a total different game. I think a lot of people that do martial arts, um, myself included, um, they don't know... A lot of them don't know the difference between practicing a martial art, let's say, at your camp or in a dojo setting, however that is, and then stepping into the ring and then going in and doing an amateur, let's just say, even within your style, let's say you do kickboxing and you do amateur kickboxing, and then from there you move on to the semi-pro level. Like, each level you go up, it's a completely different intensity. And that's just within one style. When you start talking about MMA, it gets even more intense as far as how those levels work. Absolutely. The intensity, that's your, you hit it spot on. People understand how the intensity increases every single time you move up a, a level. It doesn't matter if that level is uh, you know, just one inch higher in the type of level. It's still, it is a huge difference. Yeah. And the, the caliber of fighters, is a, they play a huge role. So it's it's fun though. It, keep, it keeps you moving. It keeps it keeps you grounded. It keeps you thinking. Oh shit! I need to keep on training harder and harder and harder because this is for real. I thought I was a badass, but no, no, man, I, I got to train harder. Yeah, it really brings me back to when I first started doing martial arts, and my dad was like, my dad turned to me and said, "You know, there'll always be there'll always be a tougher fighter." He told me, "There'll always be someone stronger than you." So don't put it in your head that you're the best because as soon as you start thinking like that, you're going you're gonna to get reminded that you're not. And at the time, I kind of brushed him off like, yeah, whatever, Dad. You're just, trying to like, you're just trying to give me a hard time about doing something that you don't do. And I thought I was a badass because I already like, I was training long enough to defend myself until, yeah, until I stepped into my first tournament. And yeah, his words just came flashing back to me as I got hit in the head. And I'm like, that's all, dude. He was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, dad is right. Dad is right. Damn it. I hate when dad is right. <laughs> so, man, um, I guess what got you into martial arts? I know you said you started as a kid, but um, I'm sure there's some sort of story there. Uh, how, what, what of it origin, like, originally got you to step in and start training? You know, when I was a kid, there was real... There was nothing else except for just being uh, curious about martial arts. Just wanting to try it out. Thought it was awesome. Of course, I was loved Bruce Lee. Grew up always watching Bruce Lee. That he he's the man. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do that. So that's what kind of got me started. There was no 
no uh, bully in my life or anything like that. It was the curiosity of just wanting to get in and uh, kick some butt. And then later on in life, just, well, actually through high school, I went back and started doing kickboxing because it's just great for the body. If you're any type of athlete, I think all athletes in every single sport should do martial arts. I, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're a tennis player or a golfer. Do martial arts. Get in there because it trains the entire body. And every athlete needs to work their core. They need to be working every single mother uh, muscle simultaneously. So uh, it's, it's a great sport. So in high school, getting back into the whole kickboxing, it felt great. Of course, couldn't do too much in college because you're really not allowed to do anything physical like that when you sign a contract with a team. And uh, you can't go in there and start breaking uh, you know, feet and elbows, arms, and getting into arm bars, anything like that. But do those damn contracts. <laughs> but then uh, after I was done playing sports, I wanted to uh, get back into something physical again. And it was MMA, it was. You know, something I could get right back and do, something that was challenging something that had offense and defense uh, again, and just the love of the game. Uh, just the phys- I guess the physical is part of it, just wanting to get in there and start banging some heads. And how did you feel like, I know like uh, when, you, when you talk to some folks, especially like I guess your background is a little bit unique in a way that you started with a very traditional style, karate. Um, do you remember what style of karate it was by any chance? No, I do not. So that's, it's that's okay. <laughs> no worries. <Yeah. laughs> but that is a very traditional way, especially nowadays. Like everyone now, I'm always talking to people like that have been doing martial arts. Like I've been just like I've been doing it for a long time. There's been a huge change in the world ever since the UFC came around. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. But coming from that traditional martial arts background, and then. Stepping into a mainstream sport like football, how do you feel uh, martial arts, and particularly the one that you did, how did that kind of help you transition into mainstream sports? You know, yeah, I guess in many different ways. The Like everybody always says, the discipline side of it really uh, played a role into it. Um, you know, and it, when it, I always... It's kind of hard because I always came from such a athletic background that the discipline was always taught to me. But then when it came to martial arts, it's really ingrained in you. There is, you really have to be disciplined uh, physically, emotionally, and the emotional side of it because, like you said, there's going to be that other guy that is bigger, tougher, stronger, faster than you. So you got to be disciplined not to kind of lose your edge. You got to be disciplined knowing that there are guys bigger and stronger and don't get discouraged. And in like in any other sport and even fitness, there's always going to be a guy bigger than you, more ripped than you. And so just knowing that, but knowing that if you train hard, you train with technique, you do, uh, you train those fine points, those inches of life, you will improve every single day and you will get better. And I mean, other than the, the mental side of it, of course, the physical side, the stretching, uh, <laughs> Learning uh, quick feet, uh, the kicking. I was a punter in in the pros, so my flexibility was always there. I always had uh, strong, fast legs, and that actually helped out when after I was done getting back in MMA. Uh, the quick legs definitely proved to help me out so much better. 
than uh, than most people. But um, yeah, I guess the the whole discipline side of it and just the physical aspect, it really it just everything came together and it, it worked out well. And and what made you decide to pursue? the path that you ended up on like i mean obviously you started play you start you did some martial arts and you got you got into football and then i mean a lot of people get into football what made you feel like hey this is i'm going to go all the way with this i'm going to go all the way i'm going to become a professional football player and um and how did that story work out for you like how were you able to because a lot of people do play football like i mentioned earlier but once they get to college football like there's like a huge gap to being able to become a professional football from, you know, from, from playing football as a kid to becoming a professional football. So player, like how did that kind of, how did you connect that and how did you make that a reality? You know, I, I mean, I loved football growing up. It's, I guess I, I just always had a passion for it, but I'll tell you a little story. One day, you know, it, school was never my thing. All right. I, I didn't really I didn't like going to school. The only reason I went to school is because I had to go to school, pass my classes, and play football. Plus, I had a really hot girlfriend that's going to school, so I wanted to see her. Plus, all my friends were there, so I'm like, hey, why not? But just what really hit it was my idol. I have an older brother, and he went to Arizona State. He was a kicker. And I went to one of their games. It was Arizona State versus Nebraska. And this was back in 1999 or, yeah, 99. And went to the game, Arizona State ended up winning, but I was in the stands and being in the Sun Devil Stadium, this stadium is amazing. One of the coolest stadiums ever between these two big mountains. I look at my dad and I go, I want to go to college. I want to go all the way. And he looked at me and says, good. The one thing you have to focus on is make sure you pass all your classes, get a high GPA, and get your butt to college. And then you can go all the way. Because the work work ethic, I had it. I always, I worked hard. The work ethic was no problem. It was everything else around. No distractions. You know, don't get into trouble. And that was, that was the game changer right there. When I saw them, Arizona State beat Nebraska first time 17-0. to zero. They haven't been beaten since 1973. Same year Bruce Lee died. And that was... Uh, that was a game changer to me. And that's what I said. I want to go all the way. I want to be the best of the best and make it to the league. So that's, that's when it's tricked me in the head. Nice. That's really cool. So that, so you got you, that's, that was your inspiration to get it done. Um, so you went, you worked hard, you, you applied yourself, you kind of went the other way around as far as, uh, as far as going from trying to get, you, like I said, you weren't really big into school, but you disciplined yourself to finish and to get in there and do it. Um, so what was the defining moment for when you got signed? How did that happen? You know, that was a long process. You know, the, the signing is first you sit through an NFL draft, hoping that you're going to get uh, called. You know, I was talking to my agent and they thinking that I was going to get picked up on the sixth round. And ended up not getting picked up on the sixth round. And those are two long-ass days. And I don't think uh, since that day, I don't think I've watched the NFL draft since because it was just – it was it was brutal. But then that next day, I'm sitting in class, and I went to Eastern Washington University, 
and I held a record there for 11 years. Finally got broken two years ago. But uh, sitting there in class up there, yeah, I'm a little bitter about that. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> he took my damn record. But sitting there in class next to actually two of my teammates, my roommate who was also uh, the other kicker on the team, and my phone goes off. And I look at it. Don't worry, it was silent when I was in class. And I look at it, and for some reason, I didn't know the number, and I'm like, I think I should take this call. And so I literally get up, walk out of class, go to the hall, pick up the phone, and they said, uh, hey, Jesse, this is the coach from the Rams. And I'm singing in my mind, oh, crap, this is awesome. He's like, hey, and it's the day right after the draft. And uh, he's like, hey, how would you like to be a Ram? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, great, we're signing you. And so from right there, he's like, we'll contact your agent. Everything's going to get worked out, but uh, be ready to be shipped out. And I'm like, I'm ready. Let's get this going. Came back. But when I came back into class, I was pumped up. I, I was so damn excited. My, uh, my uh, teammates saw my look on my face. They're like, you just got signed, didn't you? I'm like, I just got signed. I was so pumped up that the teacher was, I forget what subject of what the teacher was talking about. I ended up starting an argument with one of the other kids in the class. I have no clue. I, I, I kind of lost my mind. I was just, I was ready to go through the roof on that. And uh, luckily, then class ended. I think the guy told me to meet you outside or meet me outside. And the teacher just kind of pushed it along. I was ready. I'm like, let's get this going too. <laughs> Not too many people actually know that story. Only behind the scenes. <laughs> they were just like, what is this guy? What's this guy's problem? <laughs> yeah. Like this guy steps out of class, comes back in class, and he gets pumped up. Yeah. <laughs> He's acting like he doesn't need to be here anymore or some shit. Yeah. I think the guy even asked me, he's like, why don't you join the military? And actually, out of high school, if I didn't get picked up and go play football, I wanted to join the Marines. And I wanted to save the guy so bad. I would have, but I'm going to the NFL, guys. I'm out of here. But I'm like, I kept it cool. I'm like, I didn't join because I wanted to come here to Eastern Washington and support you guys. <laughs> Something like that. Who knows? Oh, man. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like, yeah, they, they had no idea that, that, you, that you won the, the, uh, the, the metaphorical lottery at that point. <laughs> yeah. They had, they had no clue. So after that happened, you get signed. What kind of challenges did you end up facing? You know, there, there wasn't really that many challenges. It's just um, you get signed, and then the biggest thing that's going through your mind is, you know, can you perform? Can you perform at that level? And, like, you know you can, but there's always that. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you are Chuck Liddell or you are anybody. You still have that little sound in the back of your head going, can you really perform at that level? Not knowing that level whatsoever. I bet the first time any of those UFC guys stepped in the ring, you know, even though they're telling themselves, I'm going to kick the shit out of this guy, I'm going to dominate them, they're still thinking, this is my first time ever in the ring. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't really give you 100% fact that I'm going to because I have not done it yet. So just kind of overcoming that and just telling yourself, you are the best, you are the best, you can make it, you got yourself this far. Obviously, they called you up. And they know how good you are, so you can't perform. Just do what you do, and you will make it, you know, you'll, you'll shine. 
So more of that stuff was maybe more of an obstacle. You know, training, nothing changed in training. Uh, I didn't have to pick it up. I was going as hard as I could go. So it was more of that. It was more of the mental game, which, as you know, that's the biggest part. Yeah, you no, gotta, it is. Yeah. Yeah, the, the mental game is the biggest part. It is the biggest part. Um, kind of like what you were thinking when you first had your first competition. Yeah. You know, like, I have a bunch of different uh, thoughts are going through your head. Yeah, I, I think the first thing that came through my head, I got so used to fighting – you know, like I, I got. I'm the opposite from from your story. I, I got in. I didn't choose fighting. Like fighting, I had no choice but to fight. And um, people who've listened to this podcast have heard me sit, talk about how I was. I grew up in a rough neighborhood, uh, a lot of gang violence, and um, I got jumped when I was for the first time when I was uh, how old was I? I was eleven. I was twelve. I was twelve. Oh man. I was twelve when five gang bangers jumped me, and. Oh, um, and the week before, they, the same group of gangbangers put another kid in the hospital. So, like, I knew it wasn't, like, it wasn't like a schoolyard brawl. It was like these people were, were fucking people up and putting them in the hospital. And, um, and I knew I had to learn something, and that's how I got into martial arts. So the whole time, yeah. my view wasn't from a, my view for martial arts was like, this is something I need to do to survive. And whenever I trained, that's the mentality I had. I had no aspirations to compete because I, was, I didn't come at it from a sports angle. So when my instructor asked me to go compete one day, um, I was like, all right, I'll go do this competing thing. I don't, it's only because you asked me to because I wasn't interested in competing because I was just interested in being able to defend myself. And, yeah. and uh, in class, since I had that fire, like I need to survive. Of course, when I'm sparring, like, <laughs> my my Sifu was always like, keep it light, Angelo. Keep it light. Like, yeah. <laughs> remember, these are all, we're all friends here. We're not trying to kill each other. <laughs> like, so yeah, that was always that was always what he was reminding me about control. And so I was always very focused on controlling. And then there was one guy that we would just bang because uh, he was so much bigger than me. Uh, so because we would go so hard, um, I got used to the idea. Of, we had Friday night fight nights where people would come in from other schools, and uh, it wasn't a dojo challenge, but you know we still had like our school reputation on not on the line, but that's still in your head. Like, hey, this guy's not from my school, and we're doing yeah. and we're doing full contact sparring right now, and it's MMA sparring, so anything goes. So like we were, we were just going hard, and by the time I so I already had like this reputation of being a fighter at uh. I was, uh, when I first competed, I was a blue belt. So, like, I already had this reputation. I'd already been doing martial arts for, like, six years. And in the dojo, I was I was fighting black belts. Like, as a blue belt, I liked to fight black belts. The intensity was there. So I preferred to spar with people that I knew were better than me because I knew that I can go hard on them and they can handle it. So I was so used to that. But what tripped me out like so everybody I got this reputation in the dojo as like this guy who who liked to bang and I already felt like I knew enough I knew how to fight I knew how to defend myself I had no fear about my training but like you were saying about the psychological game the, the your where's your head at right um yeah what tripped me out was stepping into the they had this giant MMA tournament and at the time MMA wasn't big it was 
I'm saying it's MMA, but the word MMA wasn't around. We had a open mixed martial arts tournament. That's exactly what they called it. They called it an open mixed martial arts tournament where schools, all kinds of schools, kickboxing schools, uh, MMA was barely starting up. So there was a few people from MMA gyms there and a few jiu-jitsu guys. And there was like people from all styles and we were all just kind of like fighting each other with an open set rule setting, which I didn't mind. No big deal. They didn't have any mats down. We were fighting on a basketball hardwood floor. Um, <laughs> so just like to tell you that the old school, oh, man. man. They were old school, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they were not. Oh, man. So, so like, we, that, and again, that didn't bother me. Because again, where I was from, in Kaja Kimball, we were getting ready for street fights. We never laid mats down. We would fight the same thing. We would fight on concrete on with just a carpet on top. Once in a while, we put mats down, but usually we were fighting on, on, on concrete floors or with carpet on top. We rarely used mats. So we were getting ready for street fighting. That's, that was the deal. And yeah. um, so I, that didn't mind. Again, that didn't scare me. What tripped me out was coming in and being surrounded by hundreds of people. That I wasn't expected. Like, that was completely, like, that's, like, I step in, they say fight, and I'm sitting there and I hear people cheering and yelling. I've never had that. Like, I've always been... You know, because you, when you're in a dojo, it's unsaid that you're not going to be sitting there screaming and yelling, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you're not sitting there. You're not sitting there cheering. Even when we had our open fight nights, one of the rules were, hey, respect. We're not going to be cheering and yelling, or you know, we'll coach. We'll say, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. But you're not sitting there like, get on, rather that's considered disrespectful in the dojo. So it was, it was really yeah. a silent environment. Um, so it was so weird to be surrounded by people, get on, and like, and the crowds cheering. And, like, I did well, um, like, in the first, the guy comes at me, and I just remember, though, like, feeling like I was moving, I felt like my legs were moving in maple syrup, because I was so <laughs> yeah. distracted by everything. I was like, dude, like, these people are yelling, and, and, like, what the fuck is going on? And, like, he got closer, and it kind of shocked me, because this guy was apparently more prepared for it than I was. He was already had his head in the game, and my head was in the crowd. So, like, I'm like, oh, how, how the fuck did he get? Like, he was already in my face. And I'm like, whoa, he got there pretty quick because I wasn't paying attention to my opponent. And um, I immediately did a spinning back kick and landed on his nose and busted his nose in the first attack. And he hit the ground. Nice. He hit the ground. His head bounced off that basketball uh, hardwood floor. So the refs checked on him real quick. They asked him if he could continue, and that's how the fight started. But that, that, that moment, like, he almost got me because I couldn't get my head in the game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't see it as a game, and I forgot that it, the, the sport side element. I was just so not prepared for that at all. Like. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people aren't, and it's like I I tell a lot of my athletes, hey, when you step out on that field or the ring or wherever you're stepping out to, turn around, address the audience. You know, address the fans. Look at them. Take it all in. All right, when you take it all in, give yourself a good minute, turn around, and block it all out. Now it's just you and your teammates or you by yourself, and just do your thing. They're no longer around you. Block them out of your head. And I don't I don't think uh, – yeah, I, I know your listeners don't know uh, the other side of me. I'm also a, now a football coach at our local high school. They, they found out my background, and uh, – because my the company Truth Performance, I they I was selling them all my products, and then I was there help training, and then they're like, hey, oh wait, you're Jesse Nicasio, you wait, that's your background, 
They're like, come on, can you please be our kicking and punting coach? I'm like, oh, damn, I'm back in it again. <laughs> so I kind of fell into that. But, um, yeah, I told it. That's they got to get you. Yeah, you got to get your head in the game. You got to block out all those sounds, especially at the higher level when they start calling you certain names and they just start saying crazy things to you. You just literally got to block it all out. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, and there's and yeah, you have to block it all out. But at the same time, like you said, you have to take it all in. I think that's a real, that's a real key point. And um, yeah, and especially in football, right? Because in football, you have a much larger audience from the very beginning. Like absolutely, yeah. Like it's not like it's every people love watching football, so that they're going to be stepping out into a big crowd from the very get go. Yeah, yeah. You know that's what that's what made me. You know, I, when I got back into MMA, the just the other the, the other people around you, the people watching you. If you're being pulled out by the instructor and you're doing something right there in the middle and you're pretty much getting your ass handed to you by the instructor, but everybody's watching. I, I liked it again. I forgot about that. I forgot about the, uh, the nervousness too, getting back in there, like going against, you know, you're about to go against somebody much better than you and you start getting butterflies. I missed that part. I'm like, this feels great. I, I miss this so much. I finally nervous again after all these years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what in martial arts that's what helps you, that's what helps you survive. Like if if you if you if you're not nervous, then you you really need to reevaluate how how things are going because you should be nervous. You at should least, be nervous at least a little, at least a little. Yeah. That makes you react quicker. If you're not nervous and you're in there like, oh man, I got this. Oh, you're about to get smacked upside your head. Yeah, if you're nervous. Man, you're you're ready to go. You're on the tip of your toes, and you're like, "Oh shit, I need to react real quick here." Exactly. I always tell my students, like, if you're not nervous, when you're not nervous, when you're completely that comfortable, is when accidents happen. So just keep that yeah. in mind. Like that's that's when bad things always happen. <laughs> Absolutely. That is man. That is a good uh, good thing to say to your students. So. What's something, um, well, actually, you, you already kind of answered that question very well, actually. How, how um, martial arts has helped you as far as uh, getting into football and how it helped you with the discipline. But I guess my other question would be, how has martial arts helped you outside of the career-wise but in your personal life? How has martial arts helped you as a person, as, a, as an individual? Uh, you know what? Having respect. Having respect for everybody. Having respect. You know what? I did not grow up in a terrible neighborhood, but I did grow up fighting. And that's probably why I enjoyed or wanted to go back to it. Um, I did fight quite a bit through high school. Uh, you know, everywhere it's either fought because some somebody wanted to hook up with your girlfriend or they thought, you know, oh, look at that smile on your face or whatever the hell it was. But... You don't really understand an individual until you start getting into martial arts when the smaller individual kicks the shit out of you. And just respecting everybody, respecting who they are, where they came from, um, if they came from a, a troubled... Because in martial arts, you meet a lot more people that come from uh, troubled backgrounds and why they got into it and the hardships that they had to go through. And that, you know what, you don't know anybody 
don't ever put a label on anybody and just be nice and friendly to everybody. It's just give them the mutual respect that hopefully they're giving to you. If they're not giving me respect, then do what you need to do. But I mean, just respecting everybody. And it's really, really the more of the, don't try to be a tough man out there on the streets because a uh, little mighty mouse is going to come and just kick the crap out of you, man. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I mean. And the personal life is being out and about and being in the game for a while. I, that would probably be the biggest one in my, that just sticks with you. Don't be, Beat the tough man in the club because there's gonna be somebody in the club tougher than you. Yeah, yeah. And you were saying, um, kind of going back to your story, what um, you retired. How long did you do professional football for? Three years, 2004 to 2007, until I tore my hamstring. Oh, ouch. Yeah, man. that was that was a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Injuries. Yeah, actually, um. All right. Is it okay? For, can I ask you a few more questions about that? Is, are you comfortable with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. How was it then? So, like, you had uh, three years. Okay, I guess my first question, how long were you planning on being a professional football player? You got three years in, but did you have any goals, like, how long you wanted to do it for? I wanted to be in for a minimum of ten years. Okay. All right. Especially five years so I could get my pension, but that didn't, neither one of those happened. Mm. So, how did you handle going from being a professional football player, that's going to be your life, to getting an injury and kind of having to reevaluate everything? What, what, how was that process for you? You know, man, that was a good question. It's, that was hard. That was maybe one of the most difficult transitions of my life. After I finally hung up my cleats, I went into depression for about a year, and I didn't know, I didn't have an identity anymore. My identity was I was an athlete. You know, I was a football player. That identity was lost. I didn't know what to do. I had no skill set. Uh, luckily, well, I'll go back to that, and I, I wasn't quite sure what to do. You know, I, I went to school. I went to college to be a football player. I graduated with a communications degree. You know, I, that's all I knew, and that's, all, that's the only thing in your head was I'm going to play at a minimum of 10 years. You know, there was no looking back. There was no, like, oh, hey, uh, option B. There's no option B. But there was one thing that I did have that not many other people did, uh, that not many other people had, was I did have a backup plan. And it wasn't because it was option B. It's because there was something else that I was actually passionate in. When I was in elementary, there was two things that I wrote down in a piece of paper in fifth grade. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? One, I put down, I want to be a professional football player. The other part I put down is, I want to be an inventor. My great-grandfather was an inventor. He uh, invented the orange cone. And my family still has the manufacturing plant out there in Orange County. And I, during my 2006, I actually invented a football that was called the Easy Kicker. It has a 16-foot elastic cord to it. You stick the stake in the ground. You can go in a small, confined area, five by five foot, and you can practice your punts and kicks. You practice your technique. Um, I created that because when I was playing football, I would ask people, oh, yeah, do you go to your local high school to punt and kick to practice? They're like, no, man, we got to travel like an hour away. I'm like, 
travel an hour away. Damn, I'm fortunate to have high schools right next to me. So I invented my very first product. So after I hung up my cleats and tried to figure out what I wanted to do, I said, you know what? I'm going to keep on inventing products. And then that's when I created the mass suit that I don't know if you've seen the mass suit, the full body resistance training suit. That's the one, like, I, I, I saw that stuff on Facebook. That's the one that kind of, like, it has the, the cords. Is that correct? Like, it's got, like, these yes. elastic cords that go around the body. And um, I guess one of the other questions I had about that, you have, right now, are you the sole company with the mass suit? Or is that something that's being done by other companies, like other versions are being made of it? Or are you the no, only so one making it right now? We are the... First and only true company. I'm the inventor okay. of the mouse suit oh, okay. and okay, owner. Cool. Yeah, and owner of Juke Performance. All right, um, all right. Yeah, we were the I, we were the very first. Or I was the very first person to ever come out with a full body resistance suit. Yeah, there are now. We've created a storm, and there's other teeny little half knockoffs that are not even close to our our suit or the quality. Uh, we still dominate the market and still the biggest company when it comes to the resistance suits. And that, that's what I fell back on uh, after I hung up my cleats. I said, you know what? You got to teach yourself business. You got to be an entrepreneur. But with an entrepreneur, don't take that lightly. Out. From marketing to legal to whatever it is, you have to figure all this out. And that's what then I dedicated myself to, was falling back on that and inventing multiple products, holding the patents for them, and now creating a, a company that we sell products worldwide to. And Mass, yeah, Mass Suit is our biggest one, my, my favorite one of them all. And I've seen it, like, for, for my listeners that don't know what it is, um, a little later, uh, well, if, if you're watching the YouTube, I'm going to have a, I have a clip right here. And then for my listeners that are listening from either iTunes or one of the many other podcast services, uh, you can check out the YouTube video. And there'll be a small clip on the side while I'm talking right now so you can see what this thing is in action. Uh, but pretty much it's a suit that has resistant, it adds resistance training. So if you're a martial artist, if you're throwing punches, it helps It helps guide you and gives some resistance to your punches and your kicks while you're training. Um, I, it came up, it's funny that I'm talking to you about this and that you reached out to me online through my, uh, through my website because... As I said earlier to you, I recently opened an MMA gym, and because I did that, um, I mean, I'm not, I mean, like, I already have my main career, just MMA is always, martial arts has always been my passion, so I have my gym, and because of that, I've been just posting a lot of different pictures of me training and stuff, so, like, the Facebook algorithm figured out that I do martial arts, and I own a gym, and it's just been, it's been throwing different stuff stuff at me as far as like advertisements for like uh, martial arts and stuff and your product actually came up on one of, on one of them and I, oh, and I was, and I was looking at, yeah your, your marketing's working because I, I saw it and I'm looking at it and I'm like oh wow that's that's pretty cool it's got like resistance training and it's got like bands on it and so I, I was I put a mental note I'm like yeah I'll, I'll check this out a little later and then it's funny that I get an email from you and then when I saw the video I was like oh hey that's that <laughs> that's the same one that I just, <laughs> I just saw that thing. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm listening through your phone. Me and the government, we're listening on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's I I don't I don't mind. Like I know 
I'm not I'm not dumb about how Facebook works and uh, and how how they how they use the information for advertising and that's that's part of the user agreement. I'm not one of those people that makes a big deal about it. <laughs> I thought, no, I, I thought I thought it was pretty funny. Like I'm like, oh man, he sent me an email. You're like, hey, check out my product. I'm like, are these guys following me? <laughs> <laughs> Is this because I? Hey, I thought you were gonna be like, hey man, so you didn't click like on the on the ad, bro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, why are you playing with your dog right now, dog? You why should be in the trading. You, yeah, you should be trading, man. Like, yeah. What are you gonna get back on me on this? On, on this? <laughs> I guess Snowden was up to something. He knew what was going on. Oh man. But yeah, I'll, I'll joke it aside, man. Um, I guess this 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 is a great segue into your product. So. So you, you became an inventor. Um, it's the way you kind of were able to to uh, to reinvent yourself and get into something that you were passionate about, and uh, and you created this uh, this suit. And from the sounds of it, you cre- you actually invented a lot of different types of products, not just martial arts products. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. And what um, I guess what other products do you have? For I'm sure you have a lot, but I guess what fields does your company cover? You know what? The, a lot of the products that I create are based around mostly all athletes are able to incorporate it in. So like one of the other products is a leg product that you can use for uh, any type of speed training, agility training, but also martial artists can use it for kicking. It's not out on the market just yet, so I can't describe it too much. I'm actually holding it in my hand right now. Um, but yeah, it's, Everything we do is high performance, and you can also attach it to the suit itself. So you've heard of a parachute, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah, the speed chutes. So we came out with our version of it, and our version actually attaches clips onto the back of the mask suit. Yeah. So it's like creating a, a, a damn Iron Man suit. That's my goal is to create, keep on inventing products where it either attaches to the suit, you can use it with it, or something you carry along, but... Um, yeah, from like a speed parachute, the juke chute, to this new leg thrusting type product that you'll have fun kicking in. Um, we'll, real soon here, you'll see a juke clothing line, but that's not anything invention-wise. But yeah, I mean, just we're kind of all around the board when it comes to high performance and just supporting the athlete to get the, the most performance out of it. And uh, just for my listeners again... Um... For some of you that might not know what he's talking about, the uh, the speed shoot, it's like a small parachute that uh, that people will wear and they'll run and it gives you it'll give you resistance for when you're running from the wind. So it kind of helps you kind of helps you have that extra drive when you're when you're running because it's, it's kind of like you were running against a strong wind, I guess. If I can put that yeah. in, in layman's for some people some people listening. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> um. So I guess, kind of getting to our uh, to our to our close to the wrap up, close to the end here. What are some of your goals uh, for your field, for your company? What What are some of the goals that you'd like? You kind of mentioned some of the new products you you got going and that you want to kind of roll out. But where where do you kind of envision your your company going? The path that we're taking. What I would love for it to be, of course, a a very large company helps assist and builds products for the athletic world, the fitness world, and the therapeutic world. 
Uh, yeah, the therapy world is a is a big passion of mine. Uh, I've worked because of the suit itself. I mean, the the, the suit has gotten got me into a lot of door markets. Uh, we've helped from military vets, people with brain trauma, uh, people who've been in accidents, stroke patients, cancer patients, kids with autism, and kids with cerebral palsy. Uh, I want to dive into that more. You know, athletes, we will always keep on supporting and keep on building products, but athletes have a choice if they want to get out there and bust their ass and train hard. Uh, kids with disabilities, people with disabilities, they really don't have a choice. They are so limited. And watching the products like the suit uh, be placed on a kid with an autistic kid and him able to perform and understand to uh, our trainers and to his mom, his mom started crying when we put the suit on him and he was able to understand and correlate what we were asking him to do. I want to get more into that. And if we can build this company to help push all three of those markets. I mean, that's my main goal is to really get into that. And of course, hey, maybe work with the military one day on certain type of suits that we may have in the back of our pocket. But that will be maybe a little bit down the road. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll cover that one later. But that is that's the main goal right there. Yeah, man, that's really good. Like being able to not only create something but give back to the community. That just really helps with uh feeling fulfilled with what you do and i i feel it always adds more passion right and you sound like a really passionate guy so that's 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 awesome man that's really awesome oh, thank you man thank you so what's your advice for someone who's interested into getting into martial arts as far as training mentors coaches styles what would, what would your recommendation be if someone's just listening to this for the first time they've never done any martial arts and this is a question i ask every martial artist at, at the end of the show, like, because I know people from different backgrounds will have different types of advice, and that's why I ask it. What would be your advice for, I guess for you, for two, I'm going to make this a two-part question. For someone who wants to get into martial arts and maybe do get into MMA and become a professional MMA fighter, or for someone who just wants to get into martial arts and doesn't know where to start, and then the second part of the question, since you, do, since you were a professional football player, what is your advice for somebody who wants to become a professional football player? You know, and I might be able to answer all of them in, in the same uh, answer. That's good. First off, if, if you want to get into martial arts, you want to be an MMA fighter, you want to be a UFC fighter, or you just want to train, or if you want to be a football player, first off, just do it. All right? Just start the process. Get in there. Sign up, do what you need to do, but you have to start it. Don't sit on the couch and don't think about it. You have to start it. You know what? If you want to be a UFC fighter, first, you got you to gotta start training. All right? So you, you first got to start. And let that first time ever getting into uh, any type of MMA conditioning, that will tell you if you really want to be a UFC, uh, UFC fighter because you're going to have to amplify that by a 1,000. So you'll know right then and there you have it in you. But regardless to any of that is literally just start the process. You know what? Go to your local gym, start training, and see if, if you truly do like it, if you truly like being a football player, if you truly like being a basketball player, or if you truly like being an MMA fighter, just go in and, and, uh, and, 
and start participating. The other thing is train. I don't care what it is, go train. Before you enter any type of facility, of any type of training facility, do not be a damn slob, all right, and get in there. Go start running, start doing some sprints. Um, go hit a heavy bag. Be careful with your wrist. But start training because you don't want to be that one guy in there who's puking all over the ground because you're so out of shape because you uh, you weren't quite sure. Yeah. Athletics, yeah, man, athletics is athletics. It's going to take a lot of energy. So try to get yourself into somewhat of shape. And nobody has an excuse am I not supposed to do because of the world of Google and YouTube. Just type in, what do I need to do to be an MMA fighter? And they might give you some tips. Just start it. Yeah. No, that, you, I think that's – I think it's a, a good – it has to do with the perspective of how people – Enter since you started in traditional martial arts, but you've always had an athletic background. You already have that athletic uh, map, if you will, laid out for you. But I think a lot of people that get come from a traditional martial art background, even in jujitsu, you'd be surprised how many people get into jujitsu and don't have an athletic background and don't want to, don't want to lift weights, don't want to exercise. And I'm always yeah. telling them like, hey man, like even if you don't want to be like even if you're not looking to compete or or win the worlds or anything like you do realize like if you exercise and you don't have to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger exercise just like if you just run <laughs> like if yeah. you can just get into into like some light jogging or 30 minutes of walking a day or maybe just like a a light training program where you lift just some dumbbells here and there it's going to help with preventing injury like it's only yeah. going it's only going to help you and like I, it's different, man. It, I guess because I'm in Japan, right? And it, like I told you earlier, in Japan they have a very different culture. Even their gym culture is very different. Like they have very different goals, and uh, it's it's a total different outlook. I always feel like I didn't realize how much in the U.S. we very much have a gym culture ingrained into us, like. It's, you you always even really? even if you even if you don't go to the gym you at least know a person in your life that goes to the gym regularly i, I don't know like it's not like that in japan no it's not it's not like that in japan like people who go to the gym are considered a gym person uh a mat they have a word a japanese word and it's an english word actually macho man as is what they say or a macho <laughs> man right Thank you. So, like, every time people see me, they're like, you're a macho man. You're like a – and I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I'm really not. Like, I'm 170 pounds. Like, I'm not – but they act like I'm a bodybuilder out here. Like, oh, your arms are so big. I'm like, they really aren't. Like, I just work out. Like, it's not even like – I don't even work out that – like, yeah, I own a gym. And, yes, I train. But mostly, I used to be into – powerlifting and bodybuilding not bodybuilding but mostly powerlifting i wanted to get big at one point and i wanted to i was fighting at uh light heavyweight at one point i would i would train at light heavyweight and cut down to middleweight so i was a big guy i consider myself a small guy now so it was really shocking for people to be like oh he's a big guy <laughs> oh wow yeah again it's because it's they don't really have a gym culture out here it's it's something i'm trying to develop when i when i made my gym and um, 
Yeah. Do gyms look similar to our American gyms? Or are they the ones in the city do? Like the, if you go to if you go to a big metropolitan area like Kobe, Osaka, uh, Tokyo, they're gonna have go, they have Gold's Gym. They have the you know branded Gold's yeah. Gym, right? Okay. But if you start getting away from the major cities, you start going more into the regu- what I call the real Japan. Because Tokyo, Osaka, the big cities, they're kind of emulating what's happening. In the with the global economy and with uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Come on, I know this word. Uh, ah, I'm blanking on it. The, when when a when like a stereotype? Not like stereotype. A, uh, the, oh, globalization. There it is. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> globalization has really affected Osaka, the big cities. They're more like an international metropolitan area where people from all countries come in. So their culture is a little more mixed there. Where they, because of globalization, they've kind of adapted more Western values, and you have more people that kind of see the importance of going to the gym, and and they kind of have more of an idea. Not as much as America, but a little more of an idea. But as soon as you start yeah. stepping away from the big cities, you start going into the regular towns and the smaller cities. A big gym, most like my gym, like where I live, the closest gym was about 15, 20 minutes away. It did not have any free weights. It only had dumbbells, and everything else was a machine. And not that many machines at that. It was a tiny little space. And they're like, this is our gym. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is like like a gym that I would find in a hotel, Motel 6 in America. Like, that, that you'd find a few dumbbells, maybe a few machines, and an exercise bike and a few treadmills. Um, I wouldn't call this a a gym. (laughs) Like... Yeah, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go as far as charging people to come here. <laughs> but come I, robbery. I'm like beggars can't be choosers. I you know I don't have weights right now. I'm gonna take what I can. And yeah. then um, eventually they did build a real gym with uh, with more like the standard 24 hour fitness style equipment. And when I went in there, it was ridiculously expensive. Like they they wanted to charge. They wanted to charge like about 80 bucks a month and you couldn't come 24 hours a day. You had to pick the days that you wanted to come and you can only come three days out of the week. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So like, what happens if I want to come anytime? Because I want to work out, like I, I my schedule, I want to work out. It says it's open 24 hours. I want to come anytime. Like, okay, if you yeah. want to come anytime, it's going to be $120 a month. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to pay you $120 a month to just be able to work. So that, that, that's actually what inspired me to build my gym because I'm like, you know what? Let me just get on Amazon real quick. How much does it cost to get a bench press? How much does it cost to get a squat rack? And I'm like, oh, hey, man, like, you know, for about 200 bucks, I could get myself a bench press with some weights. And there's 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 two months of training right there. And I started kind of calculating that money I was going to give to the gym and just using it to build. At first, it was just my personal gym because I was doing MMA out here. I'm still doing MMA out here. And I wanted to be able to keep up with my training because I live so far away from my from my MMA gym. Yeah, and eventually it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and people started asking me, "Hey, can I train? Can I?" Because they started seeing, "Hey, they don't have this at my gym." And I'm like, "Hey, why don't you come on in, and we can train?" But yeah, it was it was really it was really different. It's a really different culture as far as how the gym is concerned, and how like that, that culture is, works. Yeah, yeah, I always love to learn other people's cultures. I wish I could travel around, you know, the world and see different aspects of everybody's culture from the fitness side of it, the gyms, just to kind of see what it looks like inside their gym and how people act. It's, uh, yeah, man, everybody's culture is very fascinating, it especially is. in the market that you're in. 
Yeah, gym gym culture is really interesting. Fitness culture, I I mean I always saw fitness culture as fitness culture, and I didn't realize till I came out here that yeah, there is such a thing as like Western fitness culture and Eastern fitness culture. There's a lot of Western influence because fitness culture is a Western thing. I I never really saw it that way because in America you just yeah. kind of see it as it's just fitness culture, right? I never saw it that way either. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's a Western concept. Like the idea of wanting to get big muscles for men, that is a Western concept. Because Japan about- Japanese people don't want to get big muscles. They want to get they want to get lean. They always they always want to lose weight. That's the first thing everybody tells me, which is weird because everybody looks really skinny to me. So like when I have a <laughs> when I have a guy walk up to me at sixty kilograms at about hundred and fifty pounds and he's like, Oh, I feel fat, I need to lose weight, I'm looking at the uh <laughs> Like, you're like, uh, homie, you need to eat. You're yeah, you're gonna die, you're gonna die soon. You, you tell me you want to lift weights. I'm afraid you're gonna break your arms. Like, we need yeah. to. We need like, to get, the only bar you should be lifting is a Snickers bar. Yeah, right, we, we, we need to start you with a nutrition program before we get anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, but again, that's that's very much a Western thing. So I had to really adjust my training uh, to to what my clients wanted. And yeah. some some people do want to get big. Like I said, there is some Western influence, and I had the, I had a, uh, I had this kid whose brother was a professional baseball player, who at the time um, was an aspiring professional baseball player, but had a really serious injury and could no longer be a professional baseball player. But he still wanted to train, and he wanted oh, yeah. he wanted to get big, which was kind of. I was like, oh, that's a first. Like, I, I hardly ever yeah. had people telling me that. So, great. Let's get you eat. First thing I told him, like, okay, what do you eat every day? And he's like, mostly veg- mostly vegetables. I'm like, okay, let's let's get you eating some more beef, some more chicken. Let's let's get yep. you. Let's, let's bulk you up. <laughs> here comes the protein. Yeah, here comes. Get ready. You're gonna you're gonna have. A, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> I was told it's gonna be fun. All those times, because the first thing they always say is like, oh, you can't eat. That's that that they always say. You can't eat. Like, whoa, you want to go to the gym? They always look at me like, you're going to eat that? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to eat a steak. Yeah, I'm going to have a cheeseburger. Like, I need this. (laughs) It's not cake. Like, I don't eat cake. I don't eat sugar. Like, I eat protein. (laughs) But, yeah. This is real food. (laughs) But, yeah, man, I can go on a rant for this forever. But, um, but, yeah, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on the show, explaining what you do. Real quick. Can you tell my listeners um, where they can contact your company or where they can find your products? Is there a website? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, You can find it at jukeperformance.com. That's the company. And if you just want to search out the product, the main product is the mask suit that we were talking about for MMA fighters and all athletes. But yeah, jukeperformance.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show. For my listeners, stay tuned for the wrap-up. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, Thanks again for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. This is the wrap-up. I really did enjoy meeting up with Jesse and talking to him. Again, if you want to support the show, check out www.socialjello.com. It's a great way to just check on the Amazon banner and go from there. There's also a blog if you want to check out the blog and has some writing for me and some of the guests I've had on the show. Stay tuned. i got a lot of great stuff coming up. As well, if you want to support the show, uh, we do have a Patreon account at Social Jello. All right, y'all. Thanks again. Have a great week. Peace.